So before we dive into the text, I did want to just quickly summarize where we've been. So Jesus and his disciples have been traveling throughout the region. He's been teaching. He's been confronting Pharisees, scribes, been having some hard teaching with his disciples, teaching on forgiveness. Peter asking, you know, how many times do I need to forgive? And Jesus gives him a multiple of what he's expecting, which is hard for him to hear. Holly, thanks for sharing that last week. And we're going to be calling back to several different passages that we've been through recently uh, while we're in the text today. So we're going to start in Matthew 19, 13. And we're going to be Matthew 19, 13 through 30. And then Matthew 21 through 16. It's a lot of ground to cover, but I think it's important that we cover it together. Um, it's, it's a lot of, of good content. So Jesus is um, moving. He's now, uh, what we read previous to this, entering into uh, a region in Judea, closer to Jerusalem, beyond the Jordan. It was just up in Galilee, doing a lot of his teachings about forgiveness, talking about children. And he comes back here in Matthew 19, 13. Then little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid his hands on them and went on his way. We see this passage in both Mark and Luke. And in one, we actually see Jesus translate little children to infants. So I just love this idea of Jesus not just being with the little kids and running around with them, but actually holding kids. Um, it's beautiful. And uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this because if, if you were here, if you weren't here when John Bulware spoke, John, shout out on the podcast, you're not here, but um, did an amazing job talking about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and Jesus, rather than point to anyone who does something specifically. He says, have the humility of a child. And John spent a lot of time talking about children and how hopeful they are and how that oftentimes is something that gets beaten out of us by the world and that it's something to revisit and then talks about the curiosity and the questions that kids tend to ask that we don't always take the time to ask because we're too busy. Um, you talk about the rain earlier this week. I actually was listening to John's sermon because I wasn't there in person. Uh, I got stuck in a rainstorm. I go on a, a walk every single afternoon to uh, kind of split up the day in two spots. And, and Wednesday, it wasn't just like a drizzle. It was a downpour in Cedar Park. And you know how like you're caught in the rain? You don't have a, a, an umbrella or, or you don't have a raincoat. And you're like, oh, I can make it. I can make it there. And then it gets worse and it gets worse. And you're like... I can't keep walking. I need to start running. So I ran a mile in like work clothes that are just getting drenched. And I was like, John, thank you for speaking this to me right now because I feel like I'm experiencing it. This is really cool. It's really cool. Okay. So let's get into 
the larger part of the text, which is the rich young man or the rich young ruler. Um, I've talked about this as someone sitting in a chair before um, out, out there with y'all. I've also uh, talked about it up here with y'all before. Um, a lot of new things um, kind of regenerated, refreshed uh, this time reading it. Um, so I'm excited to, to go through it together with y'all. So let's, let's break it into a section. So we're going to go through uh, verses 16 through 26 first. Okay. Then someone came to him, came to Jesus, and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, also love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all of these, what do I still lack? And some translations say, I have kept all of these since my youth. Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. So those of us, if we've been in church, we've heard this probably a million times. If we haven't, we're hearing this for the first time. We're probably on the same footing. I would love to hear from y'all as we read through that. Is there anything that maybe stuck out to you? You've read this before, you haven't, that caught you anew or hit you maybe in a way that you haven't felt in a while or haven't felt when you've read this text before. Right. That's good. Hmm. But I think what stuck out to me too is that when Jesus 
right? Yeah. And yeah, Rob. What stood out to me is like the contrast between Jesus' reaction to the children that came to him and Jesus' reaction to this rich young man that came to him. Mm. Very different, I think, Jesus' response to the Yeah. Yeah. whole dialogue is fascinating. Like, Rob, you mentioned, Jesus is kind of short with him. <laughs> like, he asks Jesus, what do I need for eternal life? And Jesus, like, gives him the answer. Right? He's like, keep the commandments. Like, it's five words. <laughs> That's it. And he knows that he lacks something, so he keeps prodding. And I, I don't know that if, you know, Jesus was annoyed with him, but he's, he's very matter-of-fact in his responses. Um, and Jesus, I think, allows the man to read himself. And, um, you know, I, I love that Jesus lists some of the commandments. He doesn't list all of the commandments. Like, that's super interesting. I'm like, he could have listed, like, Coveting, this guy probably coveted a lot if he's rich. Like, that's, that's probably one to get him on, right? Like, he probably, like, he didn't even list, like, make no other gods before me, like your possessions. Like, probably maybe could have gotten him on that. But, like, listed out, I think probably some of the easier ones to follow. Um, like, I just don't need to kill someone all of us feel pretty good about that, right? I hope. <laughs> I really hope so. But, um, and then he adds this one commandment of love your neighbor as yourself, which he's spoken about time and time again. That, that caught me. It's, the story is repeated in Mark and Luke, and they don't necessarily list that one, but, but Matthew does. Uh, Matthew thinks it's important to list there. And one of the things that stuck out to me really big, and and I taught on this a couple weeks back, was this notion of following that Jesus continues to talk about is following. Not only, like oftentimes we read into this rich young ruler text and we're like, okay, this is about wealth. And it's about getting rid of stuff or... um, you know, if I'm, I'm wealthy, I have too much, I need to give more away. But, but Jesus adds this component of following him where Jesus could have left out all of the other stuff. He could have said to not do anything with those things, and he could have said, follow me. 
And those things would have had the same bearing on his life if he was detached from them and just following Jesus. But he tells them all of that, and he, he is sad because he had great wealth. It just stuck out to me and hit me in a different way um, than it has in the past. Okay, and so let's, let's keep going. In, in verse 27, naturally there's dialogue with the disciples after this, this really hard, hard teaching. And then Peter says in reply, look, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is seated on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my namesake will receive a hundredfold and will, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So we're, we're going to pause on that last phrase. Many who will be first will be last and the last will be first. We're going to come back to that in the later text. 27 through 29. This is classic Peter doing what Peter does. Saying, hey, so this teaching you just did, like we kind of did that, Jesus. Like what are we going to get? This is right after they're, they're asking Jesus questions chapters ago about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He said, become like a child. It's like we've already had this conversation, dude. Like we don't need to have this again. But he tells them, he shares some of that with him and what, what is waiting for those who follow him. But then he gets into this part about talking back to this rich young man who was sad because he had to leave all of his possessions, leave all of his wealth. And Jesus tells what will happen to those that do. And he says, you will receive a hundredfold. He doesn't say just you will inherit eternal life by doing that, but you will receive a hundredfold. That by leaving those things, that reframing your visual of how the kingdom works, this kingdom of heaven, you not just inherit eternal life, but a part of that inheriting is more sisters, more brothers, more moms, more dads, more children in this kingdom. This kingdom is one that is shared. We are closer with our neighbors than we are outside of it. I hadn't seen that part before. Um, that there is a rich community of family that is here. Okay, now to the, 
part of the text where we've probably taught it wrong a lot. Um, I've been taught it wrong a lot. The, the many who are first will be last and the last will be first. How have y'all heard this taught before? Never understood. Perfect. <laughs> I, I bet none of the disciples did either. And probably at the end of the day, we may still not know what it means. Yeah. Right. It's like a, a wealth. Like we were just talking about the rich young ruler. The rich young man. This is all about money. If you don't have money, you inherit a ton of money in heaven. Richness, wealth, greatness. You're now first. Um, and then if you have a lot on this earth, you know, you're kind of scraps, right? Okay. I've definitely, yeah. yeah. Anyone else heard this taught in a way that like, Oh. Oh. I I wish I had a cool analogy like that today. That's so an oxygen mask of like putting the mask on for yourself before you put it on for others. Yeah, like inverted. Yeah. Like the oxygen mask is the way of the world and yeah, okay, okay. All right. I mean, I like how creative that is. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right. So I've, I've told this up here before. I was taught this as a kid, like no other context other than this one verse. And it was a way for us as kids that we would share with each other. And this is a way for us to, you know, let someone else go before me. And, and literally at a Sunday school class, I remember this, and I'm, I'm parroting this, so if you've heard this from me before, I apologize for the story repeat. But I loved it because I got a lot of validation out of this because I listened to the teacher when none of the other kids did. We had these donuts that were at the table. We had talked about this passage. And right after talking about this passage, all the, the teachers were like, all right, like, who wants donuts? Everyone's like, yeah, me. Well, old Drew goes into the corner, want everyone else to go up first. And the teachers spot it, and they're like, Drew, you get to have the first pick. And I was like, yes! Got it. Super manipulative. Terrible. Probably still need to rework some of that in my brain. But... We, we tend to separate this from a larger context. And so let's jump in to Matthew 20, 1 through 16, and talk about this parable that Jesus shares. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage. He sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you for whatever is right. So they went. 
When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, it's at the end of the workday, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last, then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Do you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. We just spent time, uh, Allison spent time talking about the 99 and this picture of Jesus leaving the 99 sheep to tend to the one. I think we tend to read a lot of these stories separately, but it's, it's all together. It's all the same message that Jesus, in a lot of times, is repeating over and over again just in different ways, and we can't hear it. When the disciples ask who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, they're asking the wrong question. We ask the question a lot. We oftentimes are fixated on not just who will be saved, but who will be saved the most. With this, Jesus shows a spectrum of the kingdom and gives an invitation that we can participate in this kingdom to the extent that we so choose. He's inviting and inviting and inviting, and sometimes that may happen at a different stage of life. Sometimes it may not happen. That invite might not be received until we are at our deathbed and everything that we have here on earth is about to become meaningless. Jesus already knows what we need. I think the question is, are we willing to listen and are we willing to allow him to read us in what we need? Johnny, what you need is probably different than me. Same with you, Holly, Becca. But 
through Jesus, there's this wellspring that hits us all in a different place that we're all welcome to participate in. And maybe it is a financial message because that's what we need to hear today because we live in such a well-off country, in a well-off city, at a time in life where things have never been better financially. But this is also a message of Jesus coming, God being present in many iterations of a covenant, first with Abraham, then with Isaac, the good news coming through Jesus, the gospel coming to the Gentiles and the entire world. This is different times throughout history that God is coming to us. And so what I want to leave us with is to read back early on where we started in Matthew and go back to the Beatitudes and hear who is blessed in the kingdom of heaven. Because maybe the message we just need to hear today is that we need to view other people the same way Jesus views them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were broke before you. In this parable, Jesus talks about this reward that all receive the same reward. But I have to think that also in this parable, the work in and of itself here on earth is the reward. And if we view it that way, we might be a little less envious of the fact that we are at the same time part of the 99 and at the same time part of the one. All right, if y'all would bow your heads and pray with me, and we'll enter into a time of communion. Father, we thank you for never stopping, for showing us what we need, for giving us what we need. Jesus, thank you for showing us during your life here on earth 
the way of life. That through your death and resurrection, we have hope. And we also have hope in your teaching. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come that you would encourage us that the work that you have for us here on earth is a gift. That it is a burden, but it is a gift. That it's in love through the love that you give us. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.